Workplace violence has always been a pressing issue for the healthcare industry. A 2020 report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics found that the rate of injuries from violent attacks against medical professionals grew by 63% from 2011 to 2018. And many hospitals report that the pandemic made the issue even worse. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. It's Monday, July 31st. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration considers workplace violence any act or threat of violence against workers, which can range from verbal abuse to threats to physical assaults. During 2021, Inova Health System, a five-hospital system based in Falls Church, Virginia, had nearly 650 reported cases of workplace violence. And in an effort to address the issue, system leaders created the Safety Always for Everyone, or SAFE, team which promotes safety and the de-escalation of potentially violent situations. It's a multidisciplinary group with representatives from all over the health system, including nurses, security officers, behavioral health experts, chaplains, and more. In order to change the workplace culture, ANOVA requires all employees to learn to recognize the signs of possible violence and train in de-escalation tactics. ANOVA utilizes training from the Crisis Prevention Institute, or CPI, and uses an assessment tool called the Brissette Violence Checklist that uses the presence or absence of three patient characteristics and three patient behaviors to predict the potential for violence within a 24-hour period. And for employees that experience violence, the system provides resources like access to digital mental health care through Lyra. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tony Artabel, Chief of Clinical Enterprise Operations at Inova Health. She told me that the SAFE team can be called to intervene in a number of scenarios to maintain workplace safety. It could be you see a patient getting agitated or a family member and you need some help from the SAFE team to put in place a plan of care or to de-escalate the situation. That could be a good use of the SAFE team. It might be the patient is fully acting out and the safe team can come and help um, work with the staff person on medication management or um, other de-escalation activities. And last but not least, it could be the events already occurred. The staff need to debrief. They need a little psychological support. The safe team is available to do that with them as well. The other thing that we do have for our um, team members is we have something called Lyra, which is a um, virtual help that um, you can have, I believe, up to 50 visits a year with Lyra. So if you've been really um, upset by an incident, we have that available for our team members as well. Can you talk a little bit more about these de-escalation tactics and who at ANOVA has been trained to be able to de-escalate a situation? So we um, have education for our employees, and it didn't used to be mandatory. But this year, we made de-escalation training mandatory for 100% of our team members. So everybody here at the system office, all of our employed physicians, housekeeping, registration, nurses, you name it, finance, we all are doing our one hour of escalation training 
thinking that any of us could run into an agitated someone, right? And the de-escalation training is called CPI. That's the company we use. They're very well known in healthcare. And they go through different scenarios teaching you how to recognize when somebody is escalating in front of you. Maybe they're rolling their eyes. Maybe they get a little louder. And you want to see these signs early so your intervention can be calm, um, telling the person, I recognize you're really upset. What can I do to help you right now? So there are um, several scenarios that you go through and um, begin to understand how to intervene earlier. The other thing that we have done is we have put red flags on patients' charts that have been violent in the past. So that allows registration the minute they come in to know this person could be easily upset um, it allows the clinical staff to be aware, and um, it allows them to call security if they feel uncomfortable. So that's an, a tool we put into effect. Another tool that um, we're using is something called the Brosset scale. That scale helps predict violence. We've implemented that in the emergency room where the research was done, and we know it's effective. And um, in the last six months, we've had 30% less violent events in the emergency department that we're crediting the Brosette tool for, because again, you can do an earlier intervention. We did put weapon detector systems in all of our emergency department entrances so that um, anyone who has a knife, a hammer, a gun, it would be detected and we're, we ask people to uh, return it to their car and then um, come back in to see their um, family member. We have armed security officers in our emergency departments as well. And they're there specifically if for some reason there would be an active shooter or active violence with a weapon. Um, although if um, there is true violence, let's say um, someone is being choked, the armed officer would still intervene um, in a situation like that as well. And in the past three years, we've increased our security officers probably by a good 40 to 50% across the system, including having roving officers for all of our ambulatory sites we have um, a couple hundred ambulatory sites, so it's very hard to have an officer at every site. Instead, we have them by regions and they ride around to our different sites. And they're of course available by phone to our different sites as well. And all of our ambulatory sites have the mandatory de-escalation training as well. Since you mentioned security officers, uh, what has been the response from team members about that increased security presence? You know, in the emergency room about six, seven months ago, they would have told you they weren't satisfied that people were there, but they didn't think they were trained well and they didn't intervene enough. So we took that feedback and we um, did um, training on um, psychiatric patients for our security officers. We did more de-escalation training, more than the one hour of training that is mandatory for the rest of us. 
We changed their job descriptions a little bit, and um, we expect them to be full members of the emergency department team. So they go to huddles in the morning and in the evening with the emergency department team. They have been doing um, exercises with the nurses to help them learn how to work together during a situation. And I went to a couple emergency rooms a few weeks ago, and I asked, how are we doing with our security officers? And to a person, they told me how much it had improved and how much they appreciated it. And they really enjoyed having the security officers in their huddles where the security officer would report any incident from the past shift. They thought that was useful and they thought the um, scenarios that they were doing together um, with the security officers were, was also very useful. So much improved over the last few months compared to when we first started. So violence or threats of violence aren't just in emergency departments, and the SAFE team itself is multidisciplinary. Uh, there's a chaplain, there's a nurse, and more. But how do you prepare other Innova team members to, uh, one, be aware that they could potentially experience workplace violence, and two, um, you know, prepare them for that possibility? You know, that's a great question. And um, Workplace um, Violence Awareness Month was in April, and we did a huge campaign. We did town halls at every site. We did weekly updates in our newsletters. We had tables and booths to educate folks. And now what we do is we have a weekly leadership newsletter and a weekly um, team member newsletter. And we put updates in those newsletters. And um, this month, we have done two additional town halls, and we're doing another one later this month. It was specifically for um, all emergency department um, team members, including physicians, techs, anyone who works in the emergency department. But what we found was interesting is when we had them, not only were emergency department folks there, people from all over the organization was there, including finance, case management. Um, many of these folks end up dealing with very agitated people on the phone. So it's important for them to know how to de-escalate a situation as well. So um, I believe that there's more and more awareness in our society and people are looking for, well, what is my organization doing to keep me safe? They realize it's happening in politicians' offices. It's happening, you know, in their husband's workplace or their wife's workplace. And they definitely know it's happening in healthcare and many of our professional organizations like the American Organization of Nurse Executives, the um, IHI organization, the Emergency Room Nurses Organization have put out papers on workforce violence and recommendations to their team members. So we try to make sure that we pull all of that in as well. So in general, I would just say that in healthcare, people are very aware and they keep their eyes and ears open for what is my organization doing to help me in this situation. 
as you mentioned, it's now 100% mandatory that ANOVA team members take this de-escalation training. And there's now a heightened awareness of what could constitute workplace violence. It's not just someone coming in with a weapon. They could be yelling or maybe using racial slurs against a team member, for example. As a result of this growing awareness, have you seen an increase in reporting? And uh, what has ANOVA done in response to those reports? We have seen an increased reporting. I think because people are more aware, because we have a zero tolerance policy now, we have signage up in all of our units telling patients and families what won't be tolerated, said nicely, but clearly and distinctly. And we have been encouraging increased reporting. We tell people, if somebody made you feel emotionally bad in any way, shape, or form, report. We want to know where it's happening, what types of things are happening. As I mentioned, the actual physical violence has decreased somewhat, and our workman comp cases around violence have decreased in um, in money spent. So the more violent stuff is decreasing related to, I think, all of our interventions. But the reporting overall has indeed increased. And um, that helps us understand what our team members might need from us. Maybe they need more counseling um, on um, diversity. And matter of fact, for all of our leadership team, we have mandatory diversity training for our leadership team so they know how to support and help folks who have experienced um, racial slurs. Um, we're very clear with our patients that um, you cannot request somebody of a different color, a different religion. Um, we do honor gender request if it is a religious request, um, as some women cannot have males examine them. We will attempt to honor things like that, but not because it's racially motivated. Can you talk a bit more about what happens after someone has filed a report? Uh, because as you mentioned, the system wants people to report incidents, but what steps are being taken to make sure that team members are being heard and that there could be a, you know, a resolution to their report? Every report is reviewed by that team member's direct leader. And they have to write in the report what happened as a result of that incident. So that's where the referral would actually occur uh, to Lyra, to our own employee um, services here at the hospital. We have behavioral health nurses that make rounds on our unit. So you might um, you know, actually call that behavioral health nurse for one of your staff members. And then monthly, our system-wide committee looks at the data um, about you know, the incidents. And that's newer. I have to be truthful with you. We've been doing this for only like the last two or three months. Um, and we're getting our data analytics people involved um, this month as well to help us. I'd like to know even more can we predict anything? I think um, predictive um, behavior is good. I just came back from American Hospital Association Leadership Summit 
where I sit on the Hospitals Against Violence Task Force. And um, that's, of course, where we learn a lot from each other, right? And so I was listening to something some other organizations were doing, and they take it even a step further, which is any workplace safety issue that a staff needs to deal with. If they slipped and fell in the workplace, if they um, cut their finger in the workplace, if they had a needle stick. Um, so they're looking at uh, everything around safety. So that's something I'm gonna bring to the team here at Innova. So I guess what I'm saying is we constantly are looking for ways to improve what we're doing. Is there a better way to keep our team members safe? Um, how can the data speak to us differently? How do we use that data to make decisions in the future? So I think as we have seen more concerns in our ambulatory settings, we started an ambulatory workplace safety violence committee, which we did not have before. We only had sites of care committees. So um, that's up and running. As we learn, we continue to fine tune what we're doing and we're still learning. I'll be really truthful with you. As I tell folks when I do the town halls, don't think we have the answers because we absolutely do not. We need to hear from them and we need to understand what they feel like helps them. What should other hospital or system leaders take away from Inova's approach? I think what people should take away is it's not one thing, it's multifactorial um, things that you have to do. If you actually look for evidence in the literature, there is an evidence that says, do this one thing and you get a result. <laughs> we talk about that in our American Hospital Association meeting all the time. I'm always saying, but what's the evidence? Um, we do claim some best practices like the Bursette tool, where at ANOVA, we saw a decrease in um, physical violence by 30%. But I don't know if that can be repeated in another hospital or not. Um, so we all have stories of what we've done and what we think's been helpful, um, but no real research. So I would say be multifactorial, listen to your team members. They will tell you what's happening and what will help make them feel safe. And that feeling of safety is extremely important for team members. One of the things we heard is there's too much access to the hospitals on evening and nights. Um, just this month, we closed more um, doors on evenings and nights at all of our facilities. Again, our um, security um, officers working with the sites of care to determine what else could be closed. Um, so constantly fine tuning based on what you're hearing and what you're seeing. That was Tony Artabel, Chief of Clinical Enterprise Operations for Inova Health System, a five-hospital system in Falls Church, Virginia. She joined the podcast to talk about Inova's multidisciplinary SAFE team and its work to reduce workplace violence. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. We'll be back with healthcare, business, and policy news updates tomorrow, as always, in 10 minutes or less. You can check out more insights on healthcare, business, and policy news at gisthealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The Gist Healthcare Daily Podcast is an independent production of Gist Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company.